0: Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'm joined by my co host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, you excited about tonight's guest?
1: Ed, uh, tonight a guest for everyone sitting in their car, you know, fighting to get to soccer practice, to home, to a late meal, and to do it all over again. How to balance work, life, the kids. You know, everybody in Northern Virginia needs some help there. And tonight we're joined by Dave DeWolf, the founder and CEO of Three Pillar Global. A local 800, well, almost 1,000 person now, um, uh, employees, software development firm that's been named to Inc. 5000, list of the fastest growing companies in the country seven of the past eight years. Three Pillar also named to the Washington Post's 2017 top workplaces list, its third consecutive year. Uh, David joins us to talk about the keys to balancing a, a large family, you know, thriving business, uh, numerous responsibilities, all while honoring the dignity of every person he comes in contact with. David, my friend, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks,
2: Alan. Thanks, Ed. I, I'm I'm really pleased to be here.
1: Yeah, great to have you.
0: So we were chatting a little bit beforehand, and uh, I've I've read up about how you started off doing some freelance consulting work and through a series of what you called fortunate events mm-hmm. you built a boutique consultancy without really thinking about it. And now you've got a company you kinda of blew me away that you you told me you're coming up on a thousand employees now. So I wanted you maybe to start off by recounting what were those events that kind of led you to to start a six-person company and then eventually get to where you are today?
2: You know I I think it is a story of grace and just being in the right place at the right time and the Lord using uh, my gifts and talents um, just because I was open to it. Um, I I started Three Pillar quite honestly uh, as consultancy just wanting to do good work myself. I had a passion for building software, uh, specifically innovative software that's disrupting industries and changing the way we live, work, and play. And I I wanted to be able to to do that work within high-performing teams. There's something to me about working with a group of people to be able to accomplish more than the sum of the parts. And I thought as an independent consultant, I would be able to um, choose those teams, find those opportunities to bring these two passions together and i'll never forget the moment it was about 18 months in um that i was driving down the highway and it hit me like a ton of bricks oh my goodness i have six people working for me and for whatever reason that realization hit me that i have six families to feed other than my own that's right (laughs) that was a daunting responsibility. And I i honestly to this day don't actually remember making the decision to hire the first one. It just kind of happened to me and, and I had more work than I could do. And I was introducing, you know, somebody that was asking me to do some work to, to a friend and. I said, well, you know, why don't you work with Bob? And they came back and said, what do you what do you want for Bob? I said, I don't I don't want anything. Work with Bob and <laughs> said, no, I, I want you in the middle. And that's literally how the company got started. And, and so over the course of the next year following that realization, it was a very deliberate process of, of figuring out, do I really want to run a business? Am I ready to take on this responsibility? And what I learned was, as I, I stepped back and reflected, was that what I loved was building something out of nothing. And, and the gift that I had been given in was this creative art of being able to to see in the future and to create a vision and that that really tended to inspire people and that as i looked back upon my life i had found that i had always been a leader people had always followed me and i thought you know what i actually think this might be my calling it really resonated and i decided to double down and that was really in about 2009 and if i look back now uh, over the last eight years um from you know, six employees at that time. At that realization, to now, you know, I think as of yesterday, we had 927 uh, throughout the world on three different continents. Um, it's just blown me away by the the blessings uh, that I've been showered with, and how God has has led me every step of the way and helped me evolve into the leader
0: that He wanted me to be. So you were a little bit freaked out about six people. <laughs> now you've got nearly a thousand. <laughs> What's what's the key to doing this? Is it basically having great people under you?
2: Yeah, well, there's no doubt, right? I mean, I hope that any business leader would tell you that it's your people. Um, it, it is the people you surround yourself. And one of the secrets I learned very early on is that um, it's the people you surround yourself with. And, and the easy ones are you think of, okay, my direct reports. And, you know, one of the hardest things for an entrepreneur is to start to hire people that are better than themselves at certain mm-hmm. things and truly let go so that you can scale but I'll tell you, the other part that so many don't really latch on is surrounding yourself with others who have been there and done that and mm-hmm. finding mentors. And, and one of the best decisions I made very early on, really before I should have, um, and it was totally unconsciously competent, um, was I decided when I, when I had six, seven employees and less than a million in revenue, that I was going to build a board of directors, and I still owned 100% of the company, and there was no reason to do it. But for whatever reason, I decided, you know, if I can't convince four people that I handpick that my idea is the best one, it's probably better for me to actually follow their advice, right? And for for my own sake, and that really led to me getting some incredible mentorship and advice from some just amazing uh, people, um, and uh, it was really a blessing to me.
1: Well, this this kind of gets back to uh, you know some something we see on your blog where you talk about the dignity of every person, whether mm-hmm. that person is a CEO of another company or or the sixth person that you hired. Yep. And it's really, I think, you know, would you say part of your leadership style is really seeing that in every person?
2: There is no doubt. I think it's my number one thing. Uh, one of the things that I care passionately about is leadership development and building up um, leaders throughout our organization at all different levels. And, and to, to do this, one of the things I've done is written a very deliberate, uh, what I call my, my leadership manifesto for the organization. And the number one thing on that list, um, in we list five characteristics of leaders, the number one thing is compassion. And that is based on my fundamental belief, which is one of our cultural values, which is every single human being has dignity and that we are to respect them and treat them with respect. And I don't care if that is the lowest level um, janitor that happens to be working for a a vendor that's walking through the office um, or an executive of the company or a board member. Uh, Everybody at Three Pillars is expected to treat others with dignity and respect. And then out of that, treat them with compassion, like not just be empathetic and see the world through their eyes, but actually try to lift them up and help them out. And I believe that is one of the most underused leadership tools that we have. When you create a safety net under people, when you feel like they're actually cared for, it's amazing how you can motivate and inspire and actually make people's lives better.
0: So those things sound great. How do you practically do that? (laughs) What what are some examples of how you you, you lift people up like that. You know,
2: I, I think you have to be really, really deliberate about it. And, and first, you have to realize that we all fail, right? There, there are times when um, I get just as frustrated as the, the leader next to me. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important is that leaders learn to be vulnerable. Um, You know, one of one of the uh, folks that I've learned a lot from uh, as I've become a a leader is Patrick Lencioni, who has written uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team and several other books on leadership. And he's an incredible man of faith, um, but but pure business books. And he talks about building up teams. (laughs) in terms of deliberately building trust and and exposing our weaknesses and i really believe that you know i believe that when i make a mistake and i don't treat somebody with respect as a leader, it is my responsibility to go apologize, right? And that setting that example that is able to admit that I have weaknesses, that I have failures, um, is able to say, you know, um, what I did there was wrong is really, really powerful. And then by leading by that example, then you can challenge others to do the same thing, to encourage them to also be aware, be self-aware about how they're treating other people and how um, they they can lift others up as opposed to tearing them down, and through that, you know, act with humility and 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 live their life in a way that's even more full of grace.
1: Yeah, and you know, in addition to um, you know saying that you know leading with compassion, you know, you've also said in your blog that you know everybody has a unique skill set mm-hmm. and a unique purpose and passion at, at work and in, and in life. H- how are you guys doing that? How, how what are your thoughts on sort of how we bring that out? In in business and and help people um, because that's really a key you know when people feel that their talents are being used when they're being given opportunities at work you know they come in the house they close the door see their wife and child with a smile on their face yep As opposed to sort of carrying that bag in and, and, you know, this this, this is a huge thing is helping to bring that value forward.
2: And I think you bring up such a good point because so often we talk about work-life balance and we talk about these competing interests between work and life. And I think one of the best ways we can live with compassion is understanding that I am not two people. I am not a father when I'm home and a CEO when I'm at work. I am still a father when I'm in the boardroom and I am still a CEO when I'm tucking my kids in. One of my favorite stories is several years ago I was doing an acquisition, uh, I was acquiring a company in India. And um, the the deadline slipped, and so we had to have a call with the lawyers, and uh, it was a Saturday morning call, and there was a lot of pressure to get it done. I literally had lawyers, you know, here in Northern Virginia, uh, lawyers in London, and law- lawyers in Delhi, India, uh, trying to get this deal done. And so the times were hard, and it turned out the only time we could coordinate uh, this meeting was 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, which happened to be the same time I was supposed to be coaching my son's baseball team, and. Um, I could not let go of that, and I decided to actually take the call from the ball field. And I was actually on. in the third base, uh, coaching third base when the call came in and I took it and started and had to walk off the field for half an inning and then come back. To me, that's living an integrated life. And if we can remember that people are integrated people and allow them in the moment to, of course you can still be a father. Of course you can still be a mother. Of course you can still be um, who you are even when you're at work. Um, I think that we can help promote a much more healthy work environment. And then we can also start to identify what you talked about is everybody's different strengths and weaknesses and uh, I advise a lot of young professionals and entrepreneurs all the time that where you are called to be is the intersection of what you're really passionate about and what you're really good at and that if we can help individuals to find that right so often people fall into jobs because it's where they can get a paycheck, but really to look and help individuals figure out their strengths and then help them to navigate their career in a way that allows them to leverage those strengths, but in an area where they're passionate. Um, I think that we'd have a much happier society, quite frankly. We'd be much more fulfilled because we'd be living to our calling as opposed to just serving the almighty dollar and making a paycheck.
1: It's interesting. There are things like strength finders and other things that have been on the market for a while now for... um, for folks, and I think colleges try to do a little bit about this. I'm i a PTA president at a local middle school, and I was talking to the principal and she said she's trying to think of ways to start doing that in the sixth grade. Yeah. And I think the sooner we help people identify these things, not to narrow the focus, but to really let people run for their passions, I think will it's an incredible boost.
2: Yeah, and, and to really dignify the fact that their strengths are real strengths and we don't all have to be the same.
0: Right? So you talk about integrating you being a dad with you being a CEO. Let's talk about faith because sure. um, you know you're you're a follower of Christ all the time mm-hmm. as you move about. So how did how did faith play a role in you you building the business and how you've sort of formed it and structured it? And how do you fully integrate that faith in everything you do throughout the day? Yeah,
1: because you've you've had, you know, I'm sure as CEO and, and building a company so quickly, some real gut checks and mm-hmm. some some real tough decisions to make and and your faith has probably played a huge role mm-hmm. you know, in every aspect of that.
2: You know, it is a huge role for me personally and, and there I think are a lot of different um, approaches to living with faith in the work world. I have taken approach that I am called to be in the world but not of the world and that my responsibility is to live my faith not to preach my faith necessarily, and that they will know my faith by my love, by my actions, um, and so there are certain principles I hold true. Uh, I'll give you a great example. I have been very firm that our company will never pay for uh, a healthcare plan that provides abortions. I just believe that is wrong and I will not allow it to happen. Um, and um, it, that is something I hold true to, but I don't make a big deal about that. Uh, you know, that is something that I don't think I've actually ever said publicly until right now. And only those closest to buying that policy in my office know. Um, but it just is. Uh, And then there are other things like this this value of the dignity and respect of of each individual or the principle of subsidiarity and how that plays out in our work of really empowering people at the local level, those folks closest to the work, those folks closest to the client, and instilling upon them the dignity that they know best because they're closest to it, as opposed to being the ivory tower that shouts down instructions from on high. Those things influence my leadership style, those things influence how we work. But it's not stuff where I'm going around um, you know, all day long just talking about my faith. What I try to do is put it into action and live it so that others can, if they want to notice and ask me about it, I will have the conversation. But I'm not necessarily going to be the one that's out there. I know plenty of folks that run Christian businesses, and that's well and good. It's just not me. It's not what I've been called to. I've been called to, to, to run uh, a business that I happen to be Christ- a Christian leading
1: tell us about uh three pillar what what where did the the name three pillar what's in a name
2: yeah so so the name it's kind of funny there are a lot of threes in my life and um as you can imagine as a as a man of faith um a a big part of it is actually my faith in the holy trinity Uh, the father son and holy spirit is the the staple of those three pillars again not something i talk about a lot in fact the the Public representation um, is is that our three core values integrity innovation and agility are really the three pillars that we talk about in the company. But for me personally, you know, there are a lot of threes, right? It's it's first and foremost the holy trinity. Secondly, it took me three days to come up with a name that was good, and it was my wife that challenged me. Well, what do you want to found it on? And I said, I think the three pillars are, and, and she said, that's it right there. You know, um, and as I started to extrapolate, it was those threes. But you know, it, it is those core values, but also for me personally it is reliance on the Holy Trinity uh, for my strength to to do what I'm trying to do
0: so your wife gave you some good advice here she's helping you with the business
2: Uh, she helps me with everything
0: so tell us a little bit more about the business. I mean, just the business side in terms of what you do. When I hear about software development companies, I'm, I'm like, that could mean any number of things. What do you guys specialize in?
2: Yeah, so we specialize in, in, in this little niche um, called software product development. And what that means is we all are familiar with this digital world and how all of these businesses are transforming. The reality is that the way business is conducted is being transformed where we actually interface with businesses through software and they are driving their revenues and tu- and and driving their customer engagement through software and they're delivering their actual goods and services themselves through software platforms we specialize in building those software platforms that are driving that revenue and engaging those customers and really helping um, companies to reinvent themselves so that they can be relevant in the digital economy and so we help them figure out um, not only how to build that software but actually what to build how can I create a brand new business model that is relevant in the digital economy
1: and you're keeping that fresh I mean I you know work in tech myself and, you know, you hear the stories of, well, the, you know, they're still using FoxPro databases <laughs> and, you know, there's still Fortran and COBOL running around out there. I mean, right. one of the benefits of working with you all is that you've got this fresh talent base mm-hmm. that's always sort of on the edge and able to refresh these products and keep them up to date where that's hard to do when you're staffing yourself.
2: Anyway. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's amazing that the reality of software product is it moves so fast that the, it is always evolving and you have to always, innovate and and that's what we specialize in is making sure that the market share you fight so hard to capture is something that you can keep because you're continually innovating continually increasing that value proposition for your customer
1: yeah and and take a second you know you talk about human dignity and and integrity and finding that Mm -hmm. employees and yet you've got locations here in Northern Virginia, you've got a big presence in India, you've mm. got a growing presence in Romania, yeah. a lot of cultural differences, we Absolutely. we see that when sometimes there's clashes in teams, there's there's differences in work ethic, the, just the time zone itself. Yep. How are you pulling all that together so that, you know, the leadership... The, the managers, the directors understand that, you know, they're, they're all one team, that you're bringing yeah. people together.
2: It's it's so funny that you use that phrase, one team, because that's one of our rallying cl- cries at the company. We remind folks all the time, whether we're talking about geographies or, or departments, right? There There's this legacy in the, the software services space of sales versus development, sales versus engineering. That's quite frankly, just as strong as any country versus another, right? Um, but I think this goes back to some of the core principles we've talked about, about the dignity and respect of every individual right I mean I don't care where you are located um, just because we're in the US does not mean we're smarter does not mean we're better does not mean that I can lord over you um, and, and the same goes for every country and so really empowering at the local level um, we have always believed that finding local leadership is really really important so you will not find in any one of our offices we have three offices in Romania we have we have one in India um, and then in London Boston and New York in addition to, to Fairfax here um, it, oh, those overseas offices are Led by locals, and we really respect that. And we have to provide global processes, global culture, but then we have to respect that local entity um, to really bring in the local culture uh, into things. Uh, But then we also have to shape it into something that that lives holistically and systematically throughout the entire business.
1: Yeah, I want to take a second, Ed. I'm going to jump in here because. Uh, You know, as I was telling David before, I grew up near the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and and we need to give them a shout out here while we have a few minutes. So you uh, you give some advice to other leaders. You you sit on the board at Franciscan University of Steubenville. You've, I've seen, uh, been an advisor to to various clergy groups, um, Franciscan orders. What are some of the things that you've taken away from that? and have helped you grow and also you know encourage other people other leaders to get involved with these kind of organizations whatever their passions
2: are yeah so uh, a great question, and, and I think I would start with saying Franciscan has been monumental in my life. I, I went to school there, I'm an alum of the university, and literally was it was life-changing for me. It's really the place where my faith became my own, and that I began to live it for myself, um, as opposed to just because it was the thing to do. And so I, th- I think that is important, and it's always been something that my wife and I, uh, Theresa and I are very passionate about, and have always wanted to support, You know, in terms of being on the board there, first and foremost, I think it's a privilege uh, that university has really formed so many leaders um, and uh, just good, faithful people that are out in the real world um, serving. And so what I see there is an unbelievable faith community, an unbelievable university that is forming individuals. And the question is, if I have been entrusted as a trustee of the university with this unbelievable asset, how do I help them to create an even larger return from it? And and I think this goes against my my gifts and talents. Uh, you know, I am a visionary I am a leader I have been gifted with being able to create a return out of things and so I see that as an awesome responsibility to take this unbelievable faith asset and say how can we transform the university to have an even greater impact on society especially in a world where we are so much more divisive and I just see so many things becoming poisonous and we need more things like this radio show where we're talking about the great stories we need more individuals that are living with grace in their everyday life right I have so much respect for those that go whether it's in the priesthood or they're missionaries or they're serving in different areas But I also think that the laity has to rise up and to transform our culture from the ground up and that we really need individuals to be in the world, but not of the world. And I think that university can uh, and has been, frankly,
0: a transforming force within the world for good. Yeah, I love to hear that. And and one of the things I wanted to make sure we touched on was. You know, you've got a thriving software business. You've got seven kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're serving on all these these boards. I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff and you've become an expert on on efficiency, an expert on leadership. Share with us, give us your top one or two or three things that you would, do you have an elevator pitch? You get on an elevator with someone, you got 30 (laughs) seconds to tell a young man or young woman, this is what you've got to know in your career. Here's how to be a great leader. Here's how to, what are the keys? What are the core things that you'd want to share with people?
2: You know, Number one, I think living in your passion really matters. And if I, I laugh all the time. Actually, Teresa laughs at me. She says, "You know, my husband has has no hobbies." And I, I say, "Actually, that's not true. I'm just lucky enough that they pay me for my hobby." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good for you. I love running businesses. Um, and so I, I think finding your passion and finding the intersection of your passion and what you're good at is really important. Um, and will help you be fulfilled. I think number two is learning to live an integrated life i do not believe in work-life balance i believe that's a fallacy and it sets up our lives to compete with our work and again i am not a father only when i'm home i'm not a husband only when I am in the office, or or only when I'm at home, right? All of these things. I am who I am, and I have to live that integrated life, and that helps me balance things. I'll give you a great example. Um, at, at the end of October, uh, I've been asked to come speak at a a large men's conference, and uh, I'm going to speak. I'm bringing my eight-year-old son with me, and I've turned this speaking engagement into an opportunity to to have some one-on-one time with my eight-year-old son. Uh, I've brought two of my kids to business meetings before on business trips. Um, Now, do I do these things all the time? No, but there are ways to integrate our lives. That, frankly, my kids come into a business meeting, they learn incredibly well by just sitting there and picking up oh my gosh this is what my dad does He's, he doesn't just type emails all day
0: you know yeah i, I love that because i did that with my daughter i've taken her to holiday parties at companies you've seen shannon at uh, the christmas parties i've taken her to all sorts of events and, and people get critical of that and i'm like why divide the two she can go and she can learn so much from these Absolutely. things it's, it's amazing
1: yeah, it's, yeah i've taken that call at third base myself uh, <laughs> a few times and gotten some dirty looks but we did win the championship that year There you go. Um, <laughs> It's it's interesting because, you know, as we, we think about these things, and I've taken the kids on the travel trip as well, and my kids always say, Dad, your, your job's really boring. You just sit at a computer and send emails all day, mm-hmm. is, is integrating this concept with our children, mm-hmm. you know, that we are uh, doing good at work. Right. You know, and, and I know when I tell stories like that in my kids, they light up. Right. More so than you know, Dad works at a startup and blah right. blah 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 blah. Right. Um, so I think this is a, a key thing: is we where parents, leaders, uh, businessmen, is this integration that you talk about. And
2: the other thing I would say about that is teaching them that it's not bad to make money, mm-hmm. right? That's being right. excellent at the human, being excellent at what we do in our work is incredibly important. Yep. and we can't just uh, go through our lives trying to be excellent in our faith and say well nothing else matters right for me the way you have an impact is by saying Yes, I'm going to do excellent and I'm going to build an incredibly great company. And through that, I'm going to be able to impact more. And if whatever that does, whether it gives me stature, right, whether it gives me um, financial resources, those things come with a responsibility that now I can invest back into great things and have even greater impact
0: so we've got a minute and a half or so what about a call to action anything you'd like to challenge our listeners about and 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 touch upon what's what's on your heart yeah
2: you know I, i would go back to this concept of really praying about what you're passionate about what your talents are and finding a way to have an impact in your life i think so many people to work to punch a clock
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they're not living um the way they were designed to be they're not living into their vocation and i think really digesting how can i impact lives how can i do good work not by quitting what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis and having to do missionary work but living with purpose in what i'm called to do on a day in day out basis
0: Quick word on humility and vulnerability. I know yeah. you write about that quite a bit. Yeah, um,
2: so so important. Yeah, pride is um, <laughs> such a um, a risk area for all of us, especially the more successful we become. So stay rooted in Christ, uh, stay rooted in your prayer, and don't be afraid to be be vulnerable. That's how you build real relationships and real trust. And it's not only good for our soul; it's also good for teams.
1: Yeah, David, thank you so much. It's a, you know, time always flies in, in 30 minutes. Thank you so much for doing uh, what you're doing. Thank you for joining us. Uh, an incredible example um, from someone who's incredibly busy and doing some great things here in the business community and the faith community here in Northern Virginia. If listeners want to find out more about Three Pillar Global, uh, check them out on their website at Three threepillarglobal.com. Dot com. Also, check out David's blog at David DeWolf. That's David, D-E-W-O-L-F. Listeners, a replay of this show, uh, if you didn't catch the whole thing, can be found at the graceand 30com website uh, and WERA.FM for streaming uh, 24 hours after tonight. Ed, my brother, talk us out of this one.
0: This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night, everybody, and be sure to tune into Grace.